Hey podcast, uh, before we get into it, uh, really, really, really looking to make a surge on uh, Apple. Uh, realized, can't believe how many of you are not subscribed. By not being subscribed, you're not getting the notifications. Uh, many of you may not realize even that we're a daily podcast and a lot going on. And, uh, and really just looking to kind of uh, give an extra oomph on the Apple platform. So if anybody uh, has not subscribed, to the podcast on Apple. Um, it would really mean the world to me right now if you went to your iPhone and went to podcasts and typed in Gary VEE and found the Gary V audio experience and subscribed up. Or if you're subscribed and wanted to leave a review, whether that's a one or a five star, whatever's authentic to you, it would mean a lot to me. So before we go into today's episode, if maybe you could just pause it right now and then open up the podcast app on your phone and type in Gary VEE and subscribe up, it would mean a lot to me. And also, if you took a screenshot of you doing that, showing it, and hit me up on Twitter, Gary VEE there, with the screenshot and the hashtag Gary VEE podcast, I'm gonna pick one of you who did that and put you on T with Gary V to ask your question. So a little, little fun contest for all the Apple heads right now. Please subscribe up, don't miss out on the daily content and uh, get your chance to be on Tea with Gary Vee. Go to Apple's podcast app right now, subscribe to Gary Vee Audio Experience, screen shoot it, tweet me, Gary Vee, with hashtag podcast Gary Vee, or Gary Vee podcast, either one, I'll find you, and we will pick one of you, and I'll see you on Tea with Gary Vee next week. This is the Gary Vee Audio Experience. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's episode is a speech that Gary gave for Beyond Board Virtual about the importance of dialogue and communication. Enjoy. For those of you uh, who don't know, I want to give you a little bit of uh, background here. You can see some insight on him. He's a renowned speaker, entrepreneur, investor, five times uh, New York Times bestselling author. He's a serial entrepreneur, chairman of VaynerX, CEO and co-founder of VaynerMedia, which is a full-service digital agency servicing Fortune 500 clients, co-founder of Vayner Sports. I don't know how you have any time on your hand, Gary. Um, he is one of the most sought-after public speakers. He's a venture capitalist, five times New York Times bestseller selling author. He invested in companies such as Twitter, Tumblr, Venmo, and Uber. He's been on all sorts of wonderful lists. He's um, the subject of Daily V, an online documentary, host of Ask Gary V, a global top 10 business podcast, the Gary Vaynerchuk audio experience. He's got a new book. Um, I think you guys pretty much uh, pretty much get the picture of, uh, of what's going on there uh, with Gary. So it's, uh, it's great to have you, Gary. It, it, um, really appreciate uh, your time. I'm really happy to be here. So um, before we get started and kind of go over some of our questions, I, I wanted to pull up um, basically some of your social media posts uh, around yep. uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, okay. Hate feeds off silence. If you see it, please do your part. I pulled some of these up. I'd really love some of your thoughts, especially right now to, to leaders and people kind of at the top of the food chain on, on how to address uh, what's going on. You won't care about money when your children ask you why you didn't say anything. Good gonna point. Going to save us a lot of time. Now, if you don't yeah. believe it, I mean, I, that, 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 there's two ways to look at this, right? If you actually don't believe it, you, you, you should only talk about what you believe. But I do believe, and, and honestly, I'm a weird kind of character where like I don't have a lot of emotion to convince. Uh, so my first reaction is um, you need to speak about what you believe in. And if you believe that, you know, you know uh, if you believe in 
deeply what the president's doing, then I think that's powerful and that's what makes this country great and I come from the Soviet Union. But I think a lot of people are not speaking because they're worried about their financial impact of losing certain customers or followers or, or you know, let me go even more empathetic. They're not interested in getting to a fight with their mom. You know, like, like I get it, this is human. Um, but that's my belief, that's my truth. I don't, I don't, I, I, I wanna remind people that if 1968 was documented the way 2020 is, a lot of our grandpas would not be looked upon the same way they are today. Yeah, and I think really that cool. we don't have that luxury, um, if you consider that a luxury. Um, and so uh, that's how I feel about it. And so I, I tend, you know, a lot of people here know me because I'm looking around, like, I don't tend, I'm not the, you know, I think people are really incapable of having thoughtful conversations. So I don't go crazy political or social on my, um, on my channels over the last 15 years. Um, but, you know, I'm also very good at knowing the moment, which is why I've been good at investing because I understand consumers. Um, uh, and, uh, and I just think that this one's super, super obvious. And you know, Chris uh, Kelly just said, I've always thought of you as shrinking <laughs> violet, but it's funny, it's a, you know, it's a real, I, I've been very thoughtful about this. Like I'm, which is, which is amazing. You know, in business, it's easy. Business is fake life, you know, in a lot of ways, sports, you know, I'm quick to say, I hate you, Tom Brady, or, you know, and in business, I'm very passionate because I think I really want people to win in it. Kind of, it's kind of just plays out. And I think uh, there's a lot of misnomers. Um, but people are highly emotional about religion and race and politics and, and lose their humanity in communicating it. And um, I just don't, I don't think we have the luxury. This is, a actu this is actually very, very real right now. And we're getting super real right now. And so, you know, that's, that's what I felt, but I have zero interest in motivating or convincing or coercing anyone to say something that they're not comfortable with. I'm just articulating what's running through my mind. And I think, I do think a lot of people are choosing short-term financials over long-term legacy. And I think it's an important debate that one should have with themselves in whatever side they feel about it. Yeah, and one of the most disappointing, one of the most disappointing things for me, hate, a lot of hate that I'm seeing in response to anything I say, obviously with the way I'm posting there, it's coming from one direction, but I'm watching, you know, I'm a listener, even though I talk a lot, I'm watching a lot of hate come in the other direction. You'd be shocked what percentage of the people that spit the most visceral comments have public profiles, not private ones. I would argue that I'm on a, on a hot take on intuition of what I've been seeing. I would argue that 90% of the most visceral uh, commenters are, are hiding between, behind, you know, behind private accounts. And, and I really do believe that hate flourishes in the shadows or in the silence. And I think, um, I think this is an important moment. All right, I really appreciate that, uh, that Gary. And I know we've got some more questions uh, on that. I'm gonna open it up to people. They can raise their hand. They can put things in uh, the chat. Um, I wanna pick your brain a little bit uh, business-wise as, as uh, we get going on this. Um, and one of the things, you know, we talked uh, that, that you've kind of shared with um, has been taking a look at um, some of the different winning you guys lose that? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, Sarah, you cut out no for worries. a second. No worries. Some of the winning 
Let me get Sarah set back on track. Um, I think she may have closed that out and lost her audio really quickly. So no worries. Tony, you trying to jump guys. in? Can you throw Joe, Tony in right now? I see him raising his hand. Maybe I can answer questions while we get everybody up to speed. And if not, I understand. I'll try to yeah, entertain you with my incredible <laughs> singing. All right. Um, let's see. We have Tony who has a question. Go ahead, Tony. Was that Tony Potts? I... Yes, from at least from what right. I see. There may be another Tony. You're in now, Tony. Thanks. Right. I'm not used to being muted, so thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. Gary, you know, as it relates to brands moving forward, we've seen a lot of quick turnaround from brands on messaging. Um, what has been your, if you've had any sort of counsel with them, uh, for them moving forward? Some have done it in a day where it's been Nike, what have you. How, do, how does a brand now pivot and re-enter this maybe 3.0 of this new, this new realm of where we are, both now post-COVID or somewhat post-COVID, and also with the Discord? I was on a call this morning with a bunch of guys in France uh, with the business and they were asking me a ton of questions like your business environment seems to be with the unrest that's that's now we see with the fires and what have you how is your business in environment and how do we trust what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months so I guess two questions there but brands yeah, no forward. I get it yep um so look I think I think we can all agree that like anybody who feels that we have incredible stability between now and the election is just being delusional I mean this is an incredibly intriguing time that, you know, some of the, uh, you know, elder statesmen in our lives, you know, men and women understand, but if you haven't been through the rodeo, you haven't been through the rodeo. And this is, this is a very intriguing moment. And look, whatever your politics is, I think we can all agree that we're not going to have a president who's going to spend an ungodly amount of time bringing everyone together. So you have to recognize that. And that's how things work. Like, so, you know, and so, I think that um, I think that uh, brands have to re-enter from a very uh, interesting place, which is lack of fear with deep caution, right? And so most brands just go into vanilla land, right? And that brings no value. I, I've told many brands, I'd rather you say nothing for the next two months than the most cliche, cliche shit that only is turning people off. But if you have something to say, I mean, Nike has gone very aggressive by, you know, by industry standards or historical standards between Kaepernick and today. And, um, and let's not be confused about businesses. Businesses by nature have to stay alive. They're doing that because their data shows that their business can handle it and maybe even flourish with it. Um, back to what I said earlier on a human level, I don't count other people's monies and nobody here knows each other all the way. And we all have all sorts of things. So I can be a big shot and say, hey, do what you need to do for your legacy. But if that puts you out of business, like, you know, I don't, I don't want that on my resume for you. And it's why it's so hard to judge, right? When you don't have the data. But I think we're pushing brands to not first A, like put selling completely out of the equation for a few minutes here. You're just gonna lose. Nobody likes that DNA. Number two, um, don't be scared to say something in either direction. I mean, look, I promise you, Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby is not gonna be scared. And they're gonna say things that people on the coast aren't gonna like. And Nike's saying things that I'm, I'm sure somebody's burning a Nike pair of sneakers right now. And you know, that's, you know, that's not nor here nor there. You know, I, I think that um, 
I think that silence is something that is conceivable when you don't have anything to say. And I think having things to say, even in the most, listen, the question is, do your actions back up your words, right? And so saying like, we are against all hate is a good idea. The problem is you need to make sure that your CEO didn't donate, you know, you know, a million dollars to forget about Republicans or Democrats, something that is so clearly hate driven, right? Or, or, or you're making your clothes in a third world country at 40 cents on the dollar. Like you gotta be thoughtful. You can't be full of shit. All I talk about, just don't be full of shit. Don't say anything fine. But if you're gonna say something, be thoughtful. Gary, um, sorry about uh, cutting that's out okay. there. That's, 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 why, that, that's why I love our community because they're just gonna step right in and they're, they're gonna handle this for us. Um, so talk a little bit as, as we were getting to our, towards some of the winning techniques that you really see working well right now that companies are using to come through this. You, you gave a couple of pointers a while back on, on managing this in terms of maintaining perspective, you know, and really taking this time to have, um, you know, use their social media. What are some of the winning techniques that you're really pushing people to use right now? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in the framework of COVID because I think everything is getting obviously very intriguing in the last week from, there is no winning formula in the last week. I really, I, you can't, it's way too early to judge a winning formula last week. So I'm gonna put this in the front of COVID. Let me say this, as businesses, not as humans who were hurt by 100,000 plus lives lost just in our country, let alone the world and many other things. That's why I've spent more of my time on the all-in challenge than I have on VaynerX in the last you know, six weeks. But let there be no confusion. This is a humongous time of opportunity. There's a complete reset and winners win during these times and C players tend to lose market share. So you know, I think somewhere after week two, for the last month, there's been an enormous opportunity to communicate the value you bring to the table. Now, people are like, Gary, I don't wanna be an opportunistic person. An opportunistic person is somebody who buys all the face masks and resells them for 10X. You talking about what you bring to the table, I mean, you know, I, I know Hawk well enough to know, it's like Hawk's a good financial opportunity for somebody versus who they use. That he should be, Eric should be talking about the strength of his company. We feel the same at Boehner. Like, you know, us talking about that we're good at creating content and distributing it without it being expensive during this time saves people that are going out of business or having terrible years, the potential to save dollars. That's not being opportunistic. That's being realistic. You know, I, you know, and I think that sometimes people get oversensitive and, you know, obviously no, there was nothing to be said in week one or week two, but for the last four to five weeks, there's been a, a huge opportunity to communicate your value prop. And I think that that's been appropriate without using fear. You know, if your value prop is like, if you buy my thing, you won't die from the virus, that feels opportunistic. But if it's, yeah. if it's grounded in, hey, we are an e-commerce shop and we can help you or, or we can do, you know, have you audited all your expenses? We think we're a viable option at a better price. I think that's just, and if you do that in the form of content, instead of the form of an infomercial, you'll go much further as well. So I think there's a way to approach it. And let's talk about some of your, so, I mean, 
you're the social media guy. Like you've really understood how to use all of these new uh, formats and outlets out there to communicate message. But what do you say to those legacy brands? What do you say to maybe those older generations? And you've talked about this a lot who are hesitant, who still aren't leaning in to social social media to communicate. They either think, oh, I'm too old to really matter, not my vibe, or we're too big of a brand. What can you say to maybe open their eyes up maybe now and finally? You know, it's funny, gang. I'm not a convincer. I'm really not. I don't really try to convince. I go into the room and I articulate my point of view. I poke holes in what they've accepted. You know, big brands rely on MMMs and and Nielsen and Brandlift studies. They are the most garbage math structures on earth. They're just not real. Like it's very easy to, it's a very easy conversation to have with a big brand. Your internal MMM mixed marketing mix report shows you're doing well, your business is down 13%. Please explain to me how you've accepted that. Oh, I know how you've accepted it. Your entire organization runs on promoting people that win on this score, not on business results. So that's why you're doing it. By the way, you're gonna appreciate this. I mean this, by the way. How could I judge somebody when they're trying to do what's right for them and their family? But it doesn't mean it's right. And so I don't convince, I don't go in and like, you're stupid, you don't get it, you're gonna die. I don't do any of that shit. I'm like, I think spending $400,000 this way is much smarter than the way you're spending it that way. And it's really sad that you don't have a way to actually test that. And we have real conversations. And, and, and because of that, we, we, we lose eight out of 10 opportunities. When, when you're looking at people to look at those opportunities and to be innovative in that capacity, what's your, what do you look at to say, that's the opportunity I want to lean in versus this one? What's your barometer? What's your radar for that? Human intuition. Guessing. Because I'm not scared of wasting the time. We have a very good situation. We are going to be so uncomfortably historically correct that every meeting is worthwhile because it comes back around four years later. That's how I built everything in my whole life. I was a 21-year-old kid selling wine. Nobody believed me at all. I looked 14. Until four years later, those wineries were the hot wineries. Then miraculously, people listened to me. I mean, when I entered at Madison Avenue, everybody thought social media was a joke. Let there be no confusion. 2009, real Fortune 500 land, Madison Avenue. My brother put GE Pepsi Campbell's on Facebook and Twitter on his laptop. Like there was no acceptance of this communication. So I got, people thought the internet was a fad when I launched winelibrary.com in 1996. This is not a 20 year old crowd as I look around, which is a compliment by the way, which means the far majority of the people in this room actually remember, they know only, I don't, I'm not gonna poke here. There are people in this room who thought the internet was a fad. And they definitely remember what other people thought. And they were definitely people in this room that thought they didn't need an iPhone because their Blackberry and their beeper was good enough. Like that's just, that's innovation. That's absolutely yeah. the way it is. Uh, we just had a great question uh, uh, come in. Um, this is my this is my favorite. You're gonna love this. As the soon to be owner of the New York Jets, I <laughs> do like do like how they thought that in there. They they want to know your approach to starting the narrative to uh, to uh, professional sports teams and fans and getting and getting that back out there. <laughs> I mean, it's so complicated. You know, I've been staying pretty close to it because I am 
you know, by the way, I do own a sports team right now. I own a majority, I'm not, I'm not a majority, a minority share, but a chunky one of the Minnesota Rocker, which is an esports team in the Call of Duty League with the owners of the Vikings. And of course, we nailed it with esports, but us fucking geniuses, we decided to make our esports league the one that you actually go and watch it together. So here was our moment and we fucked it up. Uh, and so um, I, I think it's about, say, listen, I hope everybody here realizes that America is extremely strong in some ways and extremely entitled in other ways. And I hope that everybody here knows that if we go back too soon, if I, I'm not educated enough to know this, but it's happened in Japan and China already. If we go back too fast and, and we all have to go back into quarantine in September, most people are not gonna have the stomachs to deal with that well. Yeah. We, that's what, you know, and so, if, I, if we're talking, forget about the country because that's more macro, as a league, I would be very cautious. Um, I think the NFL is gonna play without fans this year. Uh, so much so that I've already gotten media credentials from the New York Jets so I can be on the sideline because I have to go to my Jet games. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm pretty pumped about it actually. Um, well, um, let me ask you, um, Please. we had a, a question come through uh, from, from Eric Huberman. Um, Eric, we, we love you out there. We know that you guys know each other back and, and, and he's wondering a little bit. Um, I don't know if you can hear, if you can hear Eric, but I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and unmute you if you, uh, if you want, but um, he had uh, some questions about, uh, Hey Eric, um, I know you had some questions, especially today about um, the, the blackout, the blackout and, and yeah, social media. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious what your thoughts are and how it actually affects, like we're, we're yeah. being asked and actually re recommending shutting down all ads today, like not yep. doing the email prospecting, like how that's actually going to affect things. And obviously, do you think it, like, I, it works? You're yeah. doing it, I'm doing it. So. Yeah, I, I did it. Uh, I, think, um, I think there's a couple things, Eric. One, it, uh, it, what, it's an extremely low cost, extremely non-impactful way to share your point of view. So a lot of people, if you look at the sentiment this morning, are mad at people and saying, fuck you from the black community of like, you did a box, you haven't said shit all week. And like, you're not doing shit, which is right in one angle. But I see it a little bit differently. Uh, I see it as the lowest friction point for somebody to be on the record of where they stand. And, and I think that, that for that, I see good in it. I mean, look, my biggest thing, and this is for every Republican and Democrat, I mean this, by the way. My big thing is when, you know, one of the reasons I've been very successful in business is I focus on what matters because 99% of things don't. I really believe that. And I think the thing that matters, which is just so silly, is get as many humans possible, especially in swing states, to register to vote. Like, I wouldn't do anything else if I ran for president. I would live in nine states and register every human being right now. Because So I think, I think what I'm curious about is when is this going to get tactical to the thing that actually means something. But I think I view it as a, a lot of people are going to just jump on the bandwagon because they think it means that they're woke. I think a lot of people are going to get frustrated. I think some people will be taken aback by how many people did it. I've seen that as well. Yeah. And so that's how just, I you, you, you scroll through and you can tell the people who didn't and the, the only ones that stand out are all the advertisements right now <laughs> that are that are out there. Um, I have a great question uh, from Sarah Hutnick. She wants you to talk a little bit about how you build and manage a team, um, um, you know, with divers around intuition. 
That's a great question, Sarah. Uh, I love it, it's how I do it. And uh, I tend to not do, I don't let anybody get too senior, Sarah, if, they, if I don't think they have strong EQ. I mean that. I, I value emotional intelligence and intuition dramatically more than skills. I, like, like probably, you know, I don't even want people to follow my model because I'm convinced it's probably not right, but it's right for me. <laughs> um, and then to your point, Sarah, you know, we have a lot of scenarios where I, especially when there's social issues or there's business issues where the voting directly to me is four to four or five to three or, and um, I handle that pretty easily. I always tell everybody, this is a moldable dictatorship and dictatorship's an ugly word. But what I try to tell them is like, look, everything is my fault, like uncomfortable accountability, you know? And so the way I handle it, Sarah, is I really let, I'm, I micromanage very little. You heard me earlier talk about 99% doesn't matter. I rarely get involved in stuff. I let people, you know, the whole thing with the rope, you know, either they're gonna go to the moon or they're gonna hang themselves. I give people a ton of room. It gives me a much better read of who they are than micromanaging them. And then when I have to make a call, when there's you know, a decision to be made and I can't, and for some whatever reason, there's two people who have the ability to make the call and they don't agree, I'm happy to come in and play Supreme Court and everybody kind of moves on. And I remind everybody that I'm really genuinely care about intent. I'm unemotional about like, I like Ricky more than Johnny or Sarah more than S Sally. It's just, I'm trying to make the best decision I can. And we keep it very business as business with kindness and it really works. I appreciate that. Um, I've, I was just checking. I had some more questions uh, sure. come in. Um, Rob Kramer, I like this one. He talks about authenticity. It's been, you know, <laughs> overly diluted. You seem to have been giving it a lot of meeting. Um, but I like this. He talks about, you know, the velocity of how much content you put out and keeping it authentic. Because one of the things you said, one of your formulas to social media success is speed, volume, speed, volume. So how does authenticity fit into that? By actually being authentic. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's just, it's a genuinely fascinating question and answer. And it's a great question because I couldn't agree more. Like, it's like the word hustle. Man, hustle was so fun in 2008. Everybody was struggling. I believe, I think, I can't imagine anybody here not believing in hard work. Nobody got into this room without genuinely understanding the variable of hard work. Hustle was just one of the slang terms for hard work. I mean, it wasn't super complicated. I played Little League Baseball. Pete Rose was a good player. I'm sure that's why my coach said I hustled. It just became a word. All of a sudden, I wake up in 2016 and I'm getting demonized for the word because now the word has been reconformed into meaning mental health issues. I don't want that. Like, I want hard work because it's one of the ingredients. But the only KPI I think about is happiness. And that definitely doesn't come in the form of burnout. And I think authenticity is coming to that same place. Authenticity is the right word. The problem is it's been remanipulated and diluted to a place where all of us don't feel that word the way we did 10 years ago. And that's okay. You just find another fucking word. I literally use work ethic now instead of hustle. You know? I, mean, I love uh, it. You know, so to me, people get caught up in semantics when it means nothing. The answer to the question is being authentic. It's really easy for me because I really mean what the fuck I say every second of my life. I really do, I really, really do. And I'm willing to deal with the consequences and I'm willing to deal with the upside of the legacy. And I'm, I love saying I'm wrong. People are so insecure. I love being wrong. I love changing my mind. I, nothing makes me, I love that Chris Saka and Scott Belsky were better angel investors than me. I did great, they did better. Like that's good, that's the game, that's merit. You can't be an entrepreneur or a capitalist or a merit-based human and not also be happy when you lose, but most are. And that's where shit gets convoluted. 
All right. I really appreciate it, Gary. I want, I want to be respectful of your time. And I know there are a lot of people out there, too, that um, want to be able to uh, get in touch with you, follow you. Um, you're all over social media. What's the best way for people to uh, connect with you and support you, Gary? And, and what can our Beyond Board uh, community uh, do for you? Because we'll be sharing this with the rest of them uh, as well. The best thing you can do for me is let me help you because I really, really, really get a high from that. I'll take care of my own shit. I'm good at that. So if there's anything I can help with, it, the best way is definitely Gary at VaynerMedia because I, I really do see everything on Twitter, but email my admins see everything. So nothing's lost if there's actually something tangible that I can help with. Um, Gary at VaynerMedia.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, um, and let that be in perpetuity. I'm a funny character. Like I like, I'm, I've come to accept that admiration is my drug of choice. And there's only one way to have that happen. That's through earning it. I'm, I'm not confused on how I'm viewed, which can be polarizing, but I'm extremely comfortable in the, how people feel about me that actually know me. And there's only way to, one way to do that, which is actually get to know people and do things. So um, well, I wish Gary, you guys nothing but good stuff. I have to tell you, if I ever have to mess up on one of these audio videos with all the slides I had, I'm sure glad it was you because I had I, I, I know you're the one that can roll with that and that, that you'll appreciate people who who own up to, to, to messing that up. And then I was glad to have Tony come in. We're going to share this with the rest of our community. We'll also share all of your social media tags and your insight. And I want you to know Howard Tolman was on earlier and I uh, had talked about how great you are. A guy named Justin Mayer was one of your first guys at VaynerMedia and still talks to your brother, AJ. I had someone um, from Chicago reach out and say, whenever they're down, they listen to your podcast, Gary, especially when they get rejected and they're trying to raise more money. So I can't begin to tell you how important you are. We look forward to, to supporting you on a Beyond Board community. And uh, thanks for rolling for things when uh, I messed it up on my end. So appreciate it, Finally, Gary. I appreciate that. Let me just say one thing about messing up with things, which was a non-event, or when somebody listens to me when they can't raise capital. Let me promise you one thing, one final part that hopefully if it helps one person, if you can figure out how to really like losing, it can get really interesting. I mean this, by the way, if you can really get into this weird place with rejection and no, where like you view it truly as a good thing, it could really get interesting. And I, I know that that probably takes some time to like unpack, but it's such a good thing. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it, it, being comfortable with that actually then leads to authenticity because then you lack fear. I love it. And that is the quote we are going to be sharing with this. Really appreciate it. Gary Vaynerchuk, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Dr. Robbie. Bye, everyone. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. Today's highlighted review is 31 Minutes to Silence Negative Thoughts by Underdog Champ. I loved that episode and I loved how Gary V was and how he opened up. I'm going to listen to that episode on repeat. I'm not negative. I'm scared and emotionally weak. Wow, and Alex, he's so young and thanks for sharing that and being vulnerable. Thanks to Underdog Champ. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.